Good morning, butthole. Good morning, butthole. I think your microphone is louder than mine. I don't. I think I just am. I naturally as a human am louder than you. I enunciate and you project. Yeah. All right. That's fair. And then we say good morn to you, uh, friends and folks and family around the world and other places. I've, I've been told that my voice is shrill. My voice sounds sweet because it has to. Are we ready to begin? Good morning. My name is Misty. Come on, Ike. It's time. We would be honored if you would join us. The greatest adventure of all time. We just become best friends. Yep. Come on. Let's get in the character. We're talking about H.G. Wells. Do you know who that guy was? He wrote War of the Worlds. He did. And mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, he was big, big into sci-fi writing. And there are just a lot of weird things about, about his writing that have either come true later or were very prolific. Like, just some really interesting stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah, this was, I believe, the day that he, yes, the 13th, the day that he passed away, actually. Um, so he was an English writer. Yeah. Prolific in many different genres, wrote dozens of novels, short stories, works of social commentary, history, satire, biography, and autobiography. Um, His works include two books on recreational war games. Yeah, recreational war games. That's what Misty and I do when we're not podcasting. <clears throat> but he's known as the father of science fiction. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Well, then who is the grandfather of science fiction? <laughs> well, they called him a futurist. He wrote a number of utopian works and foresaw the advent of aircrafts, tanks, space travel, nuclear weapons, satellite television, and something resembling the World Wide Web. Wow. I mean, this guy died in 1946. And he was like, oh, yeah. Nuclear. Huh? Google it up, bitches. <laughs> We're going to do Google later this week. <laughs> um, he was born in 1866. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was the son of a professional cricketer. Not a, a preacher man? <laughs> not a preacher man. And a former domestic servant. What does that mean? Does Domest- that mean like a maid? Yeah. Why didn't you just call it a maid? Because uh, in 1866, domestic you, you servant, could hire servants. Ugh, man, we just did a lot of stuff wrong. Uh, um. <laughs> are we on the same article? No, I don't know. So he wrote some of the stuff that he wrote, the science fiction work he's known for: the Time Machine, the Island of Doctor Moreau, the Invisible Man, the War of the Worlds, the War in the Air. Um, he won. He well, he was nominated for a Nobel Prize in literature four times. Four times. Hmm. <laughs> now, here's a little Pavlovian kind of thing for you, because it says that, uh, much like you said, he predicted a bunch of stuff. I've got that he predicted uh, the first atomic bomb. So in 1914, he published the book, The World Set Free. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he described a weapon that is eerily similar to the first atomic bomb unleashed on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Yeah, that's what I said. And is it... I th- okay, so I think we model the things that we study in science over the things that we've read in. So, for example, so somebody using somebody read it and then created it. Based they're on like, that. "Well, I read. I have an idea for a bomb that can blow up a whole city." 
And don't don't you think they just studied until they could figure out how to make a bomb that could blow up a whole city? Or Probably. like in Star Trek, they have those communicators, and then we got cell phones. Right. Don't you think all the people? Well, that, I think yeah, I think all those things are inspired by. Right. Yeah. Totally. But like, so if somebody envisions something now, and we would all be like, "Ha ha, that'd be silly." Bananas can't fly themselves, and then all of a sudden it's like, "I want a banana," and it's like Thor's hammer, and it just hits your hand because we want bananas because we're basically just monkeys. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I I wish you would. I I know that you wish I would, (laughs) but I don't. I think that we look at. Um, it's much more fun to write a headline that says. Oh, so-and-so foretold the future. Mm-hmm. No, they just gave you a blueprint of what to do and how to build it. You know, I mean, any at some point, somebody's going to be like, well, I can probably actually build that. So yeah. I'm going to try probably, after reading it, yeah, you know? I think I can probably make that happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and the part of what I read was, so Wells A-bombs weren't as devastating as the real thing. They did inf- inspire the physicist Leo Sizzlerd to conceive of the nuclear chain reaction, which eventually became the real bombs. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he, even the physicist that did it said he was inspired by Wells to create it. No secret there. No secret. Did you know that uh, Mr. Wells is on the cover of a very famous rock album? I, I don't. That's weird. I don't, can't think of any rock bands that were around in the 40s. <laughs> He's on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. So after he passed, yeah. later in life. Because it's got a bajillion people. Of on course the cover. it does. Yeah. How many people are on the cover of it? I'm going to look that up real quick. I don't know, but that's him right there between Marx and someone who's a dead ringer for the Mona Lisa, but turns out to be an Indian guru favored by George Harrison. Many of the iconic figures in the picture were chosen by the cover designers, but at least one of the Beatles may have been familiar with Wells' stories. In 2009, Yoko Ono told a magazine, John and I felt that we were like people in an H.G. Wells story, two people who are walking so fast that no one else can see them. A reference to wow. Wells' 1901 short story, The New Accelerator. There are 58 different people on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. And they're all named Go. No, don't do all. 50. I was like, we could do a whole episode on the Sgt. Pepper's cover. We Have we done a Beatles episode yet? Ah, who knows? We have, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wells predicted the European Union. What? Yeah, in 1901, Wells wrote, A federal Europe centered on the Rhine. That's R-H-I-N-E. The river, yeah. Yep, which might emerge by the start of the 21st century. He noted that German reluctance to join up might lead to a series of wars between the Union uh, that could be achieved. He also predicted that the British would be uh, reluctant to enroll in this French-dominated body, seeing themselves more as the English-speaking world, which by that time would be led by the USA. Huh. Creepy. That That is a bit weird. Not going to lie. Did we ever figure out what wargaming is? No, we didn't. Let me look up what wargaming is. Look at this picture. Let me expand my horizons here. Look at this picture right here. So maybe I can blow it up a bit. Oh. Oh, okay. I know what it is. Never mind. I was on tour with band. And their lead singer would build in the middle of the night. (laughs) 
in our hotel room, the lights would be on all night, and he had a tackle box with all the stuff in it that he carried around, and he would build and paint these little people and creatures for war gaming. It was mm-hmm. a game called Warhammer. Mm-hmm. It's and, one of them, yeah. Yeah. So, war gaming is a great bang for your buck. <laughs> Wells wrote two books based on the games of toy soldiers that he played with his children. Right. When that is, he wasn't playing with his friends. Floor Games in 1912 and Little Wars 1913. The latter contains a detailed discussion of rules, which has led to Wells being described as the father of modern wargaming. So basically, it's just hobbying. It's playing toy soldiers. It's like, I got these dudes over here, and I can make one move and roll the dice, and that determines how many of my guys kill your guys. Right. Like, what's that? What's Ah, come on. You're going to have to give me more than just looking at me going, what's that? It's a board game. You get an army and a continent and then like seven people can start, but then you start taking over continents and then. uh, Oh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't think I played that. I mean, I played battleship, but that's not the same. No, it's not. Risk. I don't think I ever played risk. Oh, treat yourself. Yeah. I don't. Risk is one of the finest games. I always loved Clue when I was a kid. I always like anytime we got the games out. I wanted to play Clue because I like the little, uh, the little knives and the little <laughs> candlestick. And did you ever have your Monopoly guys fight your Clue guys? Because they're little. I didn't. I didn't either. Do you? Did you know people that did? No, I just had that idea right now. Okay. I mean, I have both of them. If you want to come over and have the Clue guys fight the <laughs> Monopoly guys, but I just. I don't know if I want to see the shoe battling the candlestick. <laughs> I mean, might be, be cool. a, might be a little weird. Oh my gosh, sorry. Ugh, it's early on this Monday morning. <laughs> Did you know that Wells founded the Diabetic Association? What a weirdo. Like so many different weird things. Well, I, I, that, it's interesting. It is What insane. made him do that? Uh, I mean, I, I would assume he was diabetic. In 1931, uh, he was diagnosed with a mild type 2 diabetic. Mm-hmm. Three years later, he became the co-founder with his physician, R.D. Lawrence, of the British Diabetic Association, now known as Diabetes UK. As its first president, he chaired meetings, drummed up support, and raised money for a holiday home for deprived diabetic children. In 2015, the Bristol Clinic Commissioning Group launched the H.G. Wells Project to develop an integrated model of diabetes care. Wells also put his fame to good use as founding vice president of the National Birth Control Council, now known as the Family Planning Association, and as the leading advocate of human rights. Wow. I mean... I think we, what we're finding is with these hyper-intelligent, like, ultra-successful people that they can't sit still and they, and they have, have to, to keep, keep creating. Once they solve a problem, they move on to the yeah. next thing and the next thing. And then once you uh, gain some notoriety, I think you'll find that in our celebrities today, like they use their platforms for what they care about. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Like been some... The Rock has probably accomplished more than H.G. Wells. <laughs> probably. Has The Rock also ever... also has a larger platform now and easier access to be able yeah. to do. And this one's for Nick. The Rock is a bigger celebrity. Van? Then your boy. Who? I can't think of his name right now. LeBron. The Rock is a bigger celebrity than LeBron. Fight me. And no, I would agree with that. I would too. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Apparently, Nick doesn't agree with that. <laughs> That's very weird. I don't like that. <laughs> so here's something that I found super weird. So okay. what drew me to this was the War of the Worlds. Because yeah. the War of the Worlds was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. So the War of the Worlds, when he wrote it, 
it was serialized, meaning bits and pieces, like it came out in chunks. Yep. And so it came out in a magazine in the UK called Pearson's Magazine. Pierce Brosnan. And in the United States, would you like to take a guess at what it came out in? The War of the, uh, came out in the New York Times. Cosmopolitan Magazine. Wow, we're really hitting that one hard this last couple of weeks. Yep. The oh. novel's first appearance in hardcover was in 1898 from a publisher. Um, and so basically it was a very eerie story about mankind and the first UFOs, an extraterrestrial invasion. Yep. Um, it's written in a first person narrative, um, of a man and his younger brother living in London. Um, and Southern England is invaded by Martians. So uh, what I wanted to find out was who it was that read it on the radio. Um, Oh, Okay, so it was most memorably dramatized in a 1938 radio program directed by and starring Orson Welles that caused public panic among listeners who did not know that the Martian invasion was fictional. The novel has even influenced the work of scientists um, who, inspired by the book, helped develop liquid-fueled rockets and multi-stage rockets, oh, no which resulted deal. in the Apollo 11 moon landing 70 years later. Wow. No bigs. No, no bigs. bigs. So weird. So Orson Welles reads it, like, is doing his, like, nightly radio broadcast. And there are a whole group of people who don't know that he's reading a book to them on the radio and think that legit we are having a Martian invasion. Hmm. It's almost like nothing's changed. <laughs> it, yeah. Here's what I want to know. Is H.G. Wells related to Orson Wells? I don't know. The, well, I mean, I thought Orson Wells was an American, but he could have mm-hmm. his family lineage. Is H.G. related to Orson Welles. I think their names are spelled different. They are indeed. Orson Welles talks to H.G. Welles 1914. Orson Welles in 1937. The two here were linked in the public uh, imagination thanks to the War of the Worlds, a sci-fi published. I mean, it makes sense that they would talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And they have a radio interview. And is, are they related? They are not. Okay. okay. Orson Welles' father was born in Missouri in 1872. H.G. Wells was born in Broomley, Kent, UK in 1866. But man, they could have been. Yeah, because a lot of people, like when they came over on the boats, they changed the spelling of their names um, when they landed over here. So it's very possible that they could have just dropped the E at the end for some reason or another. And still have been family. I feel like we could revisit Mr. Wells next year on his birthday. I feel like we could. But we got to go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, watch out for Martian invasions on the radio, guys. Yeah, we, we have to go because the aliens are invading right now. And you should probably keep your ears tuned because maybe Isaac and Misty are going to come up with their own audio drama of some sort to scare people allegedly allegedly (laughs) which is also why i found this interesting when we drop that you'll hear about it before you hear about it on this show what there'll be other advertising for that Uh, besides us but i want them to think it's real like this it is going to be real 
the other thing that we haven't told you about yet. Oh, God. It's in your closet. (laughs) 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 Bye. (laughs) (laughs) What if an alien just walked in right now?